Welcome to the Wellness Renegades podcast. We'll explore the crossroads of wellness entrepreneurs like you and me who are committing to making money while living healthier lives. People who are going against big pharma, insurance conglomerates, and the mainstream medical world. We'll be journeying into the challenges and breakthroughs it takes to own your own business, pave the path through mainstream medical care, and truly become a wellness renegade. Welcome to another Wellness Renegade podcast of Dr. Rachel Sterry and myself, Jason Stein. Welcome, Rachel. Welcome, Jason. (laughs) We've been talking about a lot of things we want to discuss on the podcast, so we're going to start doing more episodes, just the two of us. But Just the two of us. (laughs) What did you want to talk about today? Uh, What does it mean to be a Wellness Renegade? So you had a more specific, mm. nuanced question about divergent thinking. Mm, I did. Uh, unpack that for me. Sure. Like, I find that, you know, we end up going to school. Some of us go high school, uh, uni or, or uh, university, get a bachelor's, graduate school, get a job work a nine to five. And then some people dip into entrepreneurship, but even with entrepreneurship, like traditional marketing, sales funnel, blah, 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 blah. And really there isn't a lot of creativity or innovative thinking. So people get stuck either in entrepreneurship or in working for someone else with the same thing, which is buy the house, have the kids, have a debt load, have to work because of the debt load, die. Well, and I, I will just do a little subsect of some people uh, work purely to have health insurance. In the United States, for sure. In the U.S. Yeah. Because it's broken. Yeah, it's really interesting because if you do the research on it, uh, the number one cause of bankruptcy in the U.S. is because of medical bills. And that includes people that had health insurance. And then... When you have it and you go bankrupt, then it's hard to get it again. So it's just this weird world. One of us um, got into Harvard Medical School, not me. And so I can tell a little bit of my story, but why did you choose becoming a naturopath rather than a traditional Western doctor? Uh, I shadowed a number of physicians. the head of a pediatric unit, um, a uh, gynecological surgeon who had a really big practice in Indiana. Uh, and I, I hated it. Mm. Like, I loved being in the surgical field. Like that was awesome because I did get to go to a few um, operations and watch open heart surgery and other things, which was amazing. Um, But the behind the scenes, uh, particularly with pediatrics, uh, was incredibly disheartening. I remember a mother coming in with a child who was sick. It was just a cold. Um, And the physician wrote a prescription for antibiotics and I asked why, and she said, well, pediatrics isn't about taking care of the children. It's about keeping the parents happy. I was like, oh, okay. So you're prescribing antibiotics for a child who doesn't need them. And that just begets a host of other issues, but 
it is in many ways keeping the parents calm, but I think that the medical system is what triggers the panic in the first place. So anyway, uh, <laughs> the, uh, and the gynecological surgeon, I also, it was like so much charting and such a hectic schedule. Like, although I did love being in the ER, like don't drink too much water, like keep yourself pretty dehydrated because you don't want to have to pee and, you know, stock up on your caffeine because you're not going to get sleep. I'm like, well, this seems like I'm helping others to stay healthy while dipping into my own reserves and potentially causing a heart attack at 40. Yeah. So happens a lot. I, uh, I gave it up for a while and thought, well, maybe I'll just be like a yoga instructor and have a cafe with juicing. And then I was like, yeah, that's not going to be enough for me. I want to use my brain more. No shame to yoga instructors who have juice bars because I, I love them. <laughs> I love them. Um, but I like analytical, like I like calculus and math and all the weird sciencey things. And so um, this is an incredibly long answer. I didn't realize we were going to get into the autobiography. Yeah. But yeah. I was born February 7th, 1981. So I decided I would become a naturopath when I found out about it through a college um, fair that I went to when I was in my undergrad education. Uh, fast forward 250 years and I am a naturopath. Yeah, that was a very long soliloquy. I liked it though. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good because even as a naturopath, it's so weird when we talk about this, you know, in the intro, the corporate corporate conglomerates and big pharma. Like, I remember when you were a naturopath and you were taking insurance and the day that Blue Cross Blue Shield wrote you a letter saying, oops, we made an error and we want $6,000 back that we've already paid you. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? I do. And, and I think that we, we talked about this on the last episode, didn't we? Uh, we we may have. We'll have to replay. Oh, so so I just along those lines, there's so many of those stories. So I'll tell you guys one that I know we didn't talk about. And that is when uh, Rachel was with Cooper, she was with an insurance that uh, she was pregnant and she was getting off of. And I felt uh, the need to go where I shouldn't, which happens sometimes. And I asked her to get a breast pump. She was like, I don't need a breast pump. And I said, but I'd really like you to have one in case you want to work or you want to do anything. And I didn't have a hidden agenda. I just thought we had insurance. It was going to pay for it. It's good to have. It's free. I like it. And so Rachel went, she called them up and they said, yeah, we'll send it to you but it was the end of the year. And because they didn't build the conversation until the new year. And at that point you didn't have insurance. Because they had canceled the plan that I had and there was no other plan that even came close to a reasonable. That they refused yeah. to pay. They refused to pay. And this is a nonprofit Catholic organization that said no, that wasn't our error. I was like, how could that not be your error? She asked for it. She had the appointment earlier than the cancellation. You agreed to it. They offered to mail it, by the way, because I had a newborn. And they were like, you might not want to drive. All like it's, I, We get that it's difficult to get out of the house and run a bunch of errands when you have a newborn at home. So they offered 
of the kindness of their hearts to mail it. So, yeah, what really upset me is, you know, when I felt like, oh, well, this is just, you know, low man on the totem pole that's telling me no. I went up two more people and they still said no. And what made me so irritated and angry is because we were out of pocket now, they were charging us more. Then they charged insurance companies who make gabillions. Then they charge the insurance companies who buy them by the hundred thousands or who knows how many. And like they wanted to charge us an individual more. And at that point, I thought about calling the news <laughs> and like just oh, we started a podcast instead, creating, <laughs> creating a big fuss. And after a couple of years of therapy, I'm now ready to talk about it. So, <laughs> so what are some things that you feel make you a wellness renegade? Mm. Well, I moved out here to a, a, a land of 1200 people in the middle of nowhere. There's not easy access. And I work with our business. Um, and I got really clear I wanted to live debt-free. So what makes me a wellness renegade is I'm debt-free. What makes me a wellness renegade is I was on my way to becoming a psychologist and I became an acupuncturist because I, I was so healed by it after being poked, prodded for years and not being helped with the traditional Western model. Um, and then watching that happen again and again and then loving business but not loving that the small David versus Goliath gets clobbered. Like I want to really figure out and I keep cracking the code year after year, getting better at helping the renegades, the mavericks, the mavens of the world, the solopreneurs, the ones with small companies to get paid doing really good work they love. That now, is, oh. that's my whole mission in life. That was something we were talking about um, this morning is we love I mean, we love being out here for uh, countless, countless reasons, but there are no chains in Joseph, zero. You can't find a Starbucks. You can't find a fast food place. You can't find, uh, like, even the grocery store is a small. I, I haven't read the bylaws. You, you've read the bylaws to the city. Does it say no chains will be approved? Um, it doesn't say no chains will be approved, but the theme of the entire town, it's, it's an art um, historic art town with a Western flair. And so any <laughs> business, yeah, any business that goes in has to have a Western storefront. Like that's part of how we're creating the architecture of the business, like our house. I don't think they building. know about this. I don't um, think we've talked a lot about that. Yeah. So we bought commercial property. Yeah, which j happened um, literally because we wanted to buy property and everything else was sold. So we were like, um, <laughs> let's just buy this. Uh, do we want commercial property? I don't know. We'll figure it out. I, I think that makes us a renegade buying a commercial property that's about to fall down. Yeah, no foundation, <laughs> nothing. Uh, we had a little plan. It's turning into a bigger plan. But uh, but that's the way things unfold. You have an intention. You set it. You work towards it with clarity and you have to believe that there, or at least I have to believe that there is something bigger at work um, that, you know. Dreams, dreams. I want to, I want to give a shout intention. out to Andrea Lee. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, she reminded me recently that she lives in Canada. She's a well-thought leader. She's been a, a coach and trainer for decades. And uh, she said, you know, Jason, 
uh, dozens of people told me that they were going to move last year and create a new life and start like their dream. And you did. And I, very few people did. And I took that as such a compliment because I believe life's pretty short, like in the lifespan of, of living and creating a family and having kids and grandkids, hopefully. And, uh, and if you don't want kids living your life, creating your dream, really it comes down to, are you living it or are you talking about it? And I believe you and I, Rachel, uh, we live it. And a little bit like, mm -hmm. what did someone say? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so at the gym, that's yeah. where we met eons yeah. ago um, because I'm obsessed with working out and Jason likes to work out as well when afterwards force him to. <laughs> um, and we shared with her a story of playing with uh, the two older kids. And I was like, they dared me to see if I could fit in the dryer. Um, and I did. Uh, but I had a little trouble getting back out. I have pictures. She did get in there. Mm -hmm. I tried to get back out the same way I got in. It didn't work. So I had to get creative, but I got back out. Um, proof is in the me sitting right here. Uh, and we relayed this story and she was like, man, you guys are either going to have a great life and live to be super old with lots of adventures, or you're going to die tomorrow falling off a cliff. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and it hasn't, you know, I mean, we have a lot of fun. Um, we do have a lot of, fun. and it's been amazing to be out here, but let us not sugarcoat it. And, and it's not always easy. Like oh, our pipes have frozen three times, four times because, <laughs> because we are in a tiny house that, you know, we have snow loads and 10 degrees and, you know, this is our first time out here and I'm learning, we're both learning, but it's not weatherized properly yet although when we move it to the next location it will be um the house that currently sits on the commercial property is definitely a teardown no foundation it's 400 square feet our tiny house is 250 square feet yeah you got any given time we have two to four children with us you got to live on the edge live and, on the uh, edge you know lots of lots of things that but how much fun work. do we have tons but you have to take the risk of like yeah, we all sleep like smushed into one room <laughs> on mattresses on the floor. Yeah, and but that's how they do it in, in most the rest of the world. Totally. And so I'm just saying, I think that the the mindset that many of us have of comfort, like I would rather be out here with one mattress on the floor and an electric stove. If anybody knows me, like gas stove all the way. I can't cook on an electric stove, but I'm doing it. Uh than then be in a, a big city trying to deal with all that shit right now. Not only deal with it, but like just the amount of anxiety that gets produced to try to have your month be about making the money to continue where you are. That gets so stressful day in, day out. Now, of course, there's dreams and with dreams you have to risk. And you said earlier you know, takes uh, oh, risk and reward. Yeah. Yeah. The bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. And and I think that's true that when you, uh, as a renegade, put yourself out there, you get visible, you recruit people to see your vision, get excited about your vision. Uh, everything becomes easier. And when I say easier, it doesn't mean that life becomes easy. 
life becomes simpler. That weight that you're carrying around that you don't even know you're carrying suddenly goes away. Yeah, that's the thing though. How many listeners out there feel the weight of the way you're living life? And are you willing to make drastic changes? Let's let's talk about diversion thinking and drastic changes. I think a drastic change led me to you because I remember drinking beer, <laughs> smoking pot, and really wishing that I was working out. And so I chose a gym in Portland, Oregon, that was a legit boot camp. This wasn't like, uh, you know, let's gently get started. Jazzercise. It was actually well, I love jazzercise. It's super fun. <laughs> Well, I've never done jazzercise, so I can't diss it like you just did. I wasn't dissing it. It just is a different form of physical activity. So this gym, this gym, uh, our workout, I was drenched in sweat for the first time in like 10 years. And I made a commitment to go three times a week. And then I started going four times a week. And at the peak, you and I were going six times a week. Five or six, yeah. yeah. The way we're sitting, your head looks so much bigger. Than my, there we go. Oh, I mean, most does, people are a, listening. Most people are head. listening. He has a big head. We're, we're archiving it for the later YouTube release oh, if we okay. want to. Yeah. So you should watch the YouTube because it's way more fun. <laughs> you get to see the big head. So. The gym. The gym, divergent thinking. It really took me something in the beginning, but then I just really got acclimated and I loved it. Same thing with moving out here. Like who has kids and a house and they're settled in a community and they say, I'm just going to pick up and live in a tiny house, buy a commercial property and sleep in the same room as everyone else. Not many people. (laughs) The dog doesn't sleep with us. She likes to sleep on the heater. It's her own choice. Though. But she snores louder, so than, louder. Than, than all of us. Although I, I put her, I, I got some competition yeah, there. Yeah, you put her to shame sometimes. Yeah. So my question really to you and the audience members is how does that divergent thinking start? How, how does one become uh, just in the herd to becoming a renegade? Well, I can only speak for myself because I'm me (laughs) and no one else. But I think for me, it started when I was very young. Um, My parents were both entrepreneurs. They owned their own business um, and they were big dreamers. They, um, neither of them, when, when my parents met, uh, my mom had her own business and my father worked for a very large company. He was a chemical engineer. Um, and they just decided that they wanted to travel more. So they opened an antique store so that they could go to France and England twice a year. And they had never touched antiques before. So, um, they became incredibly successful. Um, and they also took big risks that, that flopped, and then, and, but we always came back and I think it was my, my father's pragmatic attitude. And like, this is a man who would be willing to eat chips at a Mexican restaurant and not order food to save money because he, 
loved to save money. Whereas my mom just dreamed super big. And so they held opposite ends of the pole and they really came together in a partnership that um, created some amazing, like I, you know, the number of places I've gotten to travel and things I've gotten to see. And um, growing up, the two things that I knew without a shadow of a doubt were that I could be anything I wanted as long as I set my intention and, um, and that I was loved. Like those were just instilled in me from the very beginning. And I think part of it just comes with the freedom to explore. My parents gave me a lot of latitude to make my own mistakes and make my own decisions um, when it came to my healthcare, my body, my education, um, and my finances, you know? So I, uh, yeah. And that doesn't discount the fact that I think both of us were fortunate enough to be born into families where we weren't constantly struggling to have our basic needs met because that does change the game. It doesn't mean you can't dream big and change the story, but you have much bigger hurdles. You got to have a runway. You have to have some runway and whether that's family or someone else believing in you or you crowdfund it, uh, you got to have some runway to, to, to explore. Like if we were in debt and uh, had nine to five jobs or we were both struggling entrepreneurs, um, I'm not sure we would have moved out here. Yeah. So you got to have some runway. That's good. But you don't need a lot of runway. A little bit goes a long way. Um, my stepdad was the one who inspired me a lot because he came from poverty and he uh, loved being an entrepreneur. And for part of my life, he wasn't an entrepreneur. He had a job to stabilize. And I remember how unhappy he was. And then when he didn't, he used to love to figure out ways to make money. Even when he had a job, he always had a side hustle. One of his side hustles was he would go to the flea market and he would buy up these weird little trinkets that people would buy back and he'd resell them. Like he'd buy them low and sell them high. And the, the grin on his face after a good day of selling trinkets <laughs> at the flea market for him was like uh, he had made it. He, he loved that. And later he got into real estate and he just, um, I think for him, it was always about relationships. And so uh, he really invested in his relationships and that grew and he loved real estate because he used to be a carpenter. And so he could understand the design of the house and what needed to be fixed up. And like, I would make a horrible realtor in the sense of knowing what needs to be fixed up. I'd like, I'd like look under the sink and I'm like, Matt, looks good to me. Do we get it? Do we not get it? <laughs> There's water. <laughs> this is how handy I am. I was able to take the pipes off because there was a leak. Um, the U-trap. The U-trap under the sink in the bathroom. And I realized where the problem is. 
Um, and so I've identified the problem. That's as far as I've gotten. And we have not replaced the U-trap. And there is a bucket under the sink that is catching the water that we just dump into the shower. Yes, but I turned it to you and you're super handy. You are way more handy than I am. And she had the same issue. Of- well, it's upstream and we could fix it. But what's the point? We're tearing the whole place down. True, true. And actually what it is, is one of the kids dropped the, the toothpaste cap and, down uh, the sink. And and one of their hair rubber bands. Yeah. So just created a ball of delight. It's a dam. <laughs> and I'm a beaver. <laughs> you got to explain to people oh, sorry, what that that's, means. That's my middle name. My yeah. name Rachel Beaver. Yeah. Scary. Because most people and name. it's not a joke. Most people name their kids after animals. It was my mother's maiden name. Yeah. It got me a lot of mileage in college. Rachel Beaver. Um, my father also came from poverty, like, you know, didn't have electricity, lived in Northern England, Newcastle for anyone who's a fan of the beer or the football team. Mm. Um, and yeah, his mother worked three jobs. His father worked in the coal mines. Um, and he was so determined not to live that life that he was top of his class in every class that ever existed. And I think I may have gotten a little bit of that gene from him. I don't like to lose. Oh, you're horrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that you're a bad loser because you can lose. Oh, yeah. I'm not an asshole. But you'll break something along the way to, like, make sure that you don't lose. And But, like, an arm, a nose. I don't know if we should share this, but we uh, used to wrestle. And uh, we no longer can wrestle because one of us, not me, (laughs) <laughs> always, always ends up getting hurt. Well, I just give it my all. And, you know, Jason's got a good 50 some odd pounds on me. And so when he when he gets going, I get hurt and I'm not going to stop. Yeah. No stopping. And I'm also competitive. So there's not a part of me that's going to be. Um, I mean, he doesn't ever like yeah. cavalier and <laughs> tap like <laughs> fake tap out. That's not going to happen. So we've made the agreement that we are. Not wrestling. Super competitive. We don't wrestle. And anytime there is an event. We can't be on different teams. We are always on the same team. Mm -hmm. And it works really well for us. Because we win. Unless it's dodgeball. But that's another. (laughs) Another podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. The podcast. Yeah. So uh, becoming a renegade. I, I just I'm fascinated with renegades. I'm fascinated with. Uh. I didn't do research before this, so I'm sorry I don't have names in front of me, but there's the merchant service account out of Seattle, um, the guy that decided to pay everyone $70,000. His business is going really well. So people that are changing models are working. There's the paddleboard company in San Diego, again, don't know their name, but they decided to go to a four-day work week. Sales went up. And I don't understand why we don't experiment with this more. Like I had uh, a client today and I won't reveal other information about her other than she has other co-founders in the business and her job is sales and she's killing it in the sales of the product that they have. But the other co-founders are mad because she's not in the office. And so there's this mentality if you have to do it a certain way and It's not about the metrics of business success. It's about the model of old school of the way other people do it. And so 
it's just hard for me to understand why people can get upset if you're getting your job done. Some people can get a job done in an hour that takes other people like 40 hours. People can get upset about anything. People can get upset about winning the lottery if they want to. But I think that part of the issue that you're talking about is something that I've talked about before on a different podcast, Yeah. Um, which is fear. And fear is a huge driver, I believe, in our culture. The fear of... I mean, why do people have insurance? Because they're afraid something terrible is going to happen. But, but but wait, wait, wait. Bad things do happen, though. Bad things can and do happen. Yeah. Yes, but I don't believe that the fear of bad things happening should outweigh your ability to live. Like some people hate almost every moment of their day because they're working towards an end goal so that they don't have to be afraid. Got it. So an example of that is I have worked with people that hate their job. I mean, mm-hmm. despise their job. Mm-hmm. They're getting ulcers. They're not sleeping at night. But because the job gets them insurance, mm-hmm. they're not willing to leave the job. I were, I've worked with a number of patients who have uh, adrenal fatigue, who are dealing with thyroid issues, who have... Um, GI issues that are related to anxiety and stress and 90% of it comes from their job. Like 90% of the crux of the issue, the stress loads, the sleep deprivation, the crazy schedules that don't allow them the time to eat properly or prep meals or workout, like really that just detract from their lives. And it takes years for me to convince them to shift. And the individuals who are willing to make the shift Mm. are like, I don't know why that took me so long. I, wow, I had no idea. Like I heard what you were saying and I had no idea it was as bad as it was. Isn't that a great celebration moment though? Like I've had a number of clients that have raised their prices or asked for their accounts receivable to be paid or said things to people they'd been holding on to for years. And that moment of like, no matter how long it took to get there, Mm. for them to actually have that experience, Mm -hmm. that's a renegade moment. Mm -hmm. That's a moment of freedom of saying, I'm not going to be afraid to do what I know is right for me, no matter what other people say or think about it. Yeah. I think there's more fear now because of social media. I think that people are, are being attacked by trolls behind a computer. Uh, oh, yeah. It doesn't take much courage to attack someone using your keyboard and staying anonymous. Like face-to-face is a much more frightening way to confront someone. And so I think it's made it possible to just, you know, like puke nastiness all over people because you've had a crappy day. Yeah. But I think it might be harder. I agree that like trolls are going to troll. Right. But I do think that there's a potential that it's harder to be a renegade now because everybody's watching the cameras are watching the social media is watching the other people are watching and everyone that didn't fully have an opinion before has an opinion about how renegade should and should not operate. And so that's a really good kind of segue into how do you live a life of freedom when you know that it upsets other people? 
I'm not good at upsetting people. Mm. I hate upsetting people. Like it brings me, Jason can attest to the fact that um, we've had to deal with some things in uh, some back and forth with other individuals who have caused, you know, I'm like super afraid they're going to get upset. And like when I'm writing the email, my hand is just shaking. True. Like I'm not able to eat and panicked. And so I really get that. And I feel like there are certain things that are bigger than fear. So when it comes to me upsetting people because of myself and my own needs, um, it, it takes an extra step, but leaning back into like, am I acting from a place of good intention and does this feel like it's integrity with who I really want to be helps me through it. The thing that's helped me the very most to step forward and act in a strong manner against some pretty big mainstream ideals is having kids because there is not a thing that I would not do to keep my children safe. And I am not at all. Like, I think there's so much judgment when it comes to parenting. Oh man. What were you telling me the other day about breastfeeding in the U S versus breastfeeding, according to the world health organization? Well, the world health organization, I think their recommendation is a minimum of two, but you know, in, in a lot of places it's, four years. I think five is sort of like the upper limit in most places. Uh, but you know, in the States, a lot of people it's two months, two months, six months. And then maybe. didn't you tell me that the United States is the only country in the world that doesn't offer any paid time off mm-hmm. when, uh, well, because it's not mandated. Yeah, that's so You can take wrong. PTO or you can take sick leave. Right. But it adds up to maybe six or eight weeks. And if you're working for a small company or you're working for yourself, you're just SOL. Yeah. I, I do wonder this whole medical world upside down, the United States being the only like first world country that doesn't offer affordable health care. Where's this going? What's going to actually happen? I don't know, but I will say that the the longer we go without health insurance, yeah, the more uh, secure, I guess the happier I feel that we're not just supporting another thing we don't believe in. I, we got to look up the percentage because we um, don't have health insurance, although we have other types of insurance. And we do put money aside every month for medical and we do go to doctors and we do take care of ourselves. But I'm super curious, the percentage of, of uh, Americans that don't have health insurance out of choice. Like, that's an interesting mm-hmm. question. And I'm guessing it's pretty small. And I'm guessing a lot of people have a lot of judgment about it. but. Here's my thought process coming full circle. Number one cause of bankruptcy is medical bills, even for people that paid into the system. So the system's kind of rigged and uh, some things have to change. Again, what I love about what I do are these people that are helping people heal outside the realm of like your traditional model of, uh, become a physician, work for an HMO or whatever they're called now. Um, and then, man, charge up the wazoo. Rachel was in an accident uh, two years almost ago, two, almost, almost two, years, two years, ago. years ago. And 
some of the EOBs, which are um, really yeah, for MVA, you get paid gold. Man, the um, it basically is the the sheet that comes in the mail that says what explanation the, of benefits, what the code was, how much they charged. Uh, we and saw one the other day, and we're not we're gonna gonna name names, but it was a thirty minute session, and three hundred and fifty three hundred and fifty dollars. Um, and if I was in that system. Like, because for out of pocket, you get paid so much less. Well, that's not highway robbery because those, those rates have been approved by a case manager that says this is within the standard of care. So it's just, the system is so upside down. And that's why I think becoming a renegade, like I I love hearing the stories about people getting off the grid and doing their own thing. I do have a a client that just created like an in-kind agreement. And she's working at like, how can she do legally as much barter and in-kind treatment as, as she does cash so it's completely balanced? And I think that's where we're headed. We're headed into a whole new unknown of traditional ways that have worked. And the community that you're in is going to become more important than ever. Yeah. And I, I have to say that since we moved out here, I mean, you know, given the times that we are in um, and the restrictions um, because of the um, coronavirus moving out here, we get minimal, minimal time away from the kids. Um, You know, they're too young to leave alone and we don't have any consistent childcare. We have one person in high school who um, comes two to four hours a week, but my work our parameters have certainly tightened. <laughs> um, and a lot of what I have been doing since we came out here is giving time to those that I really believe in. Um, it just feels like an equitable exchange of like, I put my energy out, they they're put their energy out into the world. Um, and we have done a bit of bartering and it just, I don't know, there's something perhaps like with your, you know, your stepdad and, and like how good it feels. I actually really enjoy, I just uh, in the mail today got um, a superhero plush doll that um, a client patient of mine, it has an Etsy shop and she offered to pay in a superhero doll. And I was like, yeah, awesome. So Cooper has a new superhero doll and that's more fun for me than like invoicing on Stripe. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny because this past week as well, a client of mine sent me chaga coffee with lion's mane. And uh, it was so nice to just get a gift and she's paying me. So it's just like this beauty of coming back into community. And we have a community wellness renegades um, that continues to grow. And I love how they're looking out for each other. I'm mm. starting to hear more stories of like, I got a text message from so-and-so or I did a trade with so-and-so. And that always lights me up because uh, I do believe as times change and they may get hard, your community makes everything better. I really believe that. Hashtag together is better. (laughs) And I I think we'll end on that. And maybe we'll come back and we'll talk more about together is better. And dodgeball. And dodgeball. 
and anything else you guys want to hear. So you can always drop us a line. Wellnessrenegades.com will be coming out this spring. And we just appreciate your listenership. So if you have a moment, please like the podcast, comment on the podcast, review on the podcast, and share some love. Bye for now. Bye.